Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. Yeah, this is a this is a, a big a big uh, point. <coughs> Again, I think it's important to recognise that the you know the Buddhist philosophy doesn't say that the ego doesn't exist. Um, or that it's necessarily good or bad. The, the ego definitely does exist. We definitely have a sense of self. And that rests, as, as far as we know, that rests on the, the activity of certain parts of the brain. You know, you know, when people have brain damage in certain parts of the brain, the periaqual grey, for example, um, then their sense of self stops. You know, on, on certain psychedelics, sense of self is suspended, or like the sense of time can be suspended. So to some extent, it's a property of having a human brain, is having this organizing sense of um, being. Um, and that, that's not, that's a reality, of course. In the same way that, you know, having a personal history, you know, the hippocampus having a kind of autobiographical history is a reality. This is what seems to be what most people have, unless they have brain damage there. So there are lots of, um, I think it's uh, Locke Kelly has a great enumeration. You know, there's the five levels of the ego. There's the sort of bodily ego, the fact that we have a body. We don't suddenly hop into somebody else's body. We seem to be you know, anchored in these, around the spine. So there's a bodily ego. And then there's a sort of um, nervous system, emotional ego that you know, moves away from bad things, moves towards good things. And this is you know, an ego experience, if you want to call it that, or a self-experience. And then there's the autobiographical, you know, all the facts that make us who we are, the fact that um, we grew up in this family and not that family, and with this language and not that language. So these are all these are all fine. These are all realities. These are all phenomena, if you like, of of existence. And then there's also the kind of cultural ego, the shared ego that we have um, with those around us. Um, and then there's also what he points out: there's the ability of the ego to think about itself, self-reflexive quality. This is also a fact. This is not a problem. What, what he points out is the, is the problem, and it's, it's a reality, but it's a problematic reality, and I think this is what the Buddhists are taking aim against, is when the ego's ability to self-reflect um, identifies with itself. That is to say, it believes that it is the only thing. It believes in itself. It believes that... Uh, I am, I am this thing, and other people are trying to get me, and I have limited resources. So it's, it's almost like this self-reflexive ability starts to fall back on in itself. And this is what he calls ego identification. Um, and this is the, this is the um, problematic piece, 
is that when we kind of we take these naturally arising qualities of the brain and the body and, uh, and our history and our culture, and we start to fixate on them as something fixed and solid and separate. And this you know, just leads to self-absorption, anxiety, paranoia, depending on how strongly we do it. So it's, having an ego is not a problem, it's very natural, it seems to be part and parcel of being human. But fixating and identifying as only the ego is a problem from, you know, from a Buddhist point of view. And you could also see it from a psychotherapeutic point of view, that having, having no ego is a, I would say, is a psychiatric issue. It's to do with um, uh, often trauma that then impacts the brain in a way that that sense of having a body, bodily ego starts to fall apart. But having too much ego is a psychological issue. It becomes a sort of neurotic issue where the uh, identification with the ego uh, limits our ability to be with all the other things in a human life, like our emotions and our body and other people and light and colour and sounds and if that, that, that makes sense or helps. Yeah. I think it's a sticky, you know, it's a sticky field and I think what's interesting in some of the stuff coming out of neuroscience at the moment around the free energy um, theories and um, this idea of the entropic mind, which I was talking about the other day, the day, that, you know, the brain can have very high entropy, which means there's you know, a lot of disorganisation, and this can tend towards, for example, schizophrenia or paranoia or um, psychosis, where there's just not enough organisation, there's not enough ego, if you like. Um, or when there's very low entropy, that means this, it's incredibly rigid, there's not really enough freedom, and then the ego is so rigid and so controlling that all the life goes out of thing and this is the you know, OCD and depression to some degree and anxiety so this it's more the sense that the, the the mind the brain body mind becomes too rigid which is low entropy or it becomes way too free which is high entropy and you know as the Buddhists pointed out that the the ideal place is somewhere in the middle where it's not too tight not too not too slack, in a place of you know, freedom where you can recognize that ultimately the ego is just a, a um, uh, arises because of the condition of having a human brain and, and having a body and having a family and all these things. But at the same time, recognizing that ultimately you know, things are much freer than that. There's the possibility for change and quite dramatic change. Thank you. It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's a fascinating field of of neuroscience around the uh, entropic brain theory. For me, anyway.
Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to join our live sessions, you can at mindsprings-practicespace.org. Also, if you feel inspired to give us a review or a rating, we'd really appreciate it. It helps other people find us.